I'm thankful for all who have led us in worship this morning. Thankful for our musicians and our deacons and for Kim with her reading this morning. Thankful for those that are here in the sanctuary and for those that are watching on the live stream as well. I'm thankful for the opportunity to bring a word this morning and continue our sermon series, Head Scratchers. These are Jesus' surprising stories from parables within the New Testament. The lesson this morning is from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. The parable of the unjust judge and the per persistent widow. There are some to which an activity or a skill is simple. There are extreme examples of this. And to some we see such mastery and excellence at a young age that we bestow upon them the name Prodigy. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart began playing the harpsichord when he was just three years old. He published his first piece of music at the age of five. By the time he was a teenager, he'd already written several concertos and sonatas, operas, and symphonies. Blaise Pascal is another example. He was privately tutored by his father, who banished mathematics, hoping the younger Pascal would emphasize his languages. I wish my dad would have banished mathematics from my house. But the younger Pascal was fascinated by mathematics. Without formal guidance, he secretly invented his own terminology. And independently, he discovered nearly all the geometric proofs of Euclid. At the age of 16, he produced an essay on conic sections that was so advanced, René Descartes was convinced that his father must have ghostwritten it. Carson Huey Yu enrolled at Texas Christian University in 2013. He got a perfect score on his SAT. He spoke fluent Mandarin, plays the piano. He graduated with a degree in quantum physics at the age of 14. He got a master's degree when he was 17. He's currently a PhD student. He's 20 years old. Prodigies show the world remarkable and exceptional qualities. These are skills that are generally earned without the experience necessary to gain such mastery. But we're not all prodigies, are we? Simply put, the rest of us have to work. We have to show persistence to get good at just about anything. Angela Duckworth, a pioneer, pioneering psychologist and the author of the book Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance, she suggests that grit is the missing ingredient for persistence that separates outstanding achievement. Duckworth theorizes that raw talent is not what makes certain athletes into all-stars, or some business people into successful business folks, or some students as brilliant. It's the secret sauce of long-term perseverance and passion. And she calls this grit. The passage this morning from Luke chapter 18 is a gritty passage. It's a head-scratcher as well, found only in Luke's gospel. Let's listen for God's word, Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. 
Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for the people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my accuser. For a while he refused. But later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cried to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let us pray together. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight. Amen. In the telling of this parable, there are two characters that are introduced to us. There is an unjust judge, one who stands in charge of knowing the law and enacting justice between disagreeing parties. But this judge is bad news. He's only out for himself. He is said to neither fear God nor respect people, and then he outright says that. He literally says, though I have no fear for God nor respect for anyone. While Jesus is perfect, sometimes he's a bit of a sloppy writer in this example. The second character is a persistent widow. Widows would easily be recognized by their distinctive attire, which indicated a lowly status. In the ancient world, many women would marry in their teenage years, and women typically live longer than men. Many women could count on being a widow at some point in their life, left with no husband, no means of support, no social status, no inheritance. She's been wronged in some kind of way. The text never explicitly states the issue of the judgment. Perhaps someone owes her a sum of money Perhaps someone destroyed something of value of hers, and she is left to pick up the pieces. Regardless, she needs an advocate. She needs someone to help make things right. She's done her part. She continues to show perseverance and persistence by showing up and making her requests even to an unjust judge. And even though the judge is unjust, she keeps showing up. She's the perfect example of persistence and stick to She won't take no for an answer. She keeps showing up and requesting justice. The judge is slow in response, but eventually he gives in. The Greek phrasing as translated in your Bibles and mine is something like, I will grant her justice so that she won't wear me out. But it's suggested that a closer translation is something more akin to, 
I'll grant her justice so she doesn't give me a black eye. This persistent widow has some grit. She does not give up on her cause. She even wears out an unjust judge to rule in her favor. The beginning and the end of this parable explain the meaning or the meanings in relation to a just judge, our God. The parable, this parable, is specifically about praying always and not losing heart. It can be easy in this world to lose heart, to lose hope. There are a myriad of reasons why people find themselves doubting the potential for hope in this world. Borrowers between the age of 25 and 34 carry about $500 billion in federal student loans. The majority of people in this age group owe between $10,000 and $40,000. Where is the hope? On top of this debt, many millennials and those in Generation Z report that they expect they may never be able to afford owning their own home. Is the future hopeless? Many are reporting due to rising health care costs and the expenses of senior adult care that workers should not retire in their 60s, but should wait into their 70s to retire. Where is the hope? Due to lack of infrastructure and deforestation and unseasonably strong and heavy rains, floodwaters have risen again in Kentucky. The death toll from this latest storm is in the 30s but it's expected to keep rising. Where is the hope? More than 45,000 U.S. bridges and one in five miles of U.S. roads are labeled as in poor condition, as shared by the American Society of Civil Engineers. Is it hopeless? Millions of Americans' poorest citizens still get water from lead pipes due to the fact that we know that exposure to lead has caused irreversible health effects. Where is the hope? Nearly 10% of families in Henrico County are food insecure. That percentage is 15% in Richmond City. This means that some families are prioritizing whether they'll pay their rent, whether they'll pay their bills, or whether they'll buy groceries this month. Where? is the hope. Beyond these serious domestic topics that reveal some level of hopelessness, there's also one other fact that I learned this week that will certainly put a pit in your stomach. Across the country, the scientifically named Blitella germanica has drastically increased, and some estimates 20, 20 times in population size over the last five years. This creature has developed a resistance to chemical sprays that are somewhat used to control its population size. And scientists are worried that if these critters continue to evolve, they may become nearly impossible to kill. The Blatella germanica is the German cockroach. There's a hopeless situation. It can become easy to become disenchanted with the world and feel hopeless 
Many fold up their newspapers or turn off the evening news because it's all bad news. Shootings, and wars, inequality, violence. It can be easy to think that the world is just getting worse. At one point, 2016 was voted as the worst year ever until it was unseated by 2017. And the same is true with 2020. Are we doomed to be perpetually living in the worst year ever? Despite the challenges of the present age or even the challenges to come, we are advised in this parable to not lose hope. We are not to ignore the challenges of the present age, but we are to pray always to cast our cares to the God who grants justice. A healthy prayer life is not merely about listing our requests or making a wish list with God, but prayer is the lifeline of a growing and thriving relationship with God. This conversation flows into sharing every joy with thanksgiving, sharing every moment of doubt and fear, every request for justice, every moment of heartbreak and pain. Indeed, prayer is a conversation, not just a monologue. For prayer is designed to shape us. It should inspire us to hope. Unlike the parable, we are not to attempt to wear out God with our prayers. For God is a just judge. And our prayers don't change God. They change us. In lifting up concerns to God, we are often granted the opportunity to be changed, to be transformed, to serve as an answer to our own prayers as empowered by God. Indeed, God empowers us in our prayer life to hear and to see the guidance of the Holy Spirit and then to act in that hope. For if God is with us, how can we be without hope? We can trust and know that God will remain faithful, for the canon of Scripture tells of God's faithfulness. As Barbara Brown Taylor puts it in her book, The Preaching Life, Scripture is above all the story of a God who does not break promises. The nature of God is revealed in the Bible and shows that God is the furthest thing from an unjust judge. Instead, the pattern is that one of God's faithfulness. God makes a covenant with Abraham and Sarah, and it does not unfold overnight, but God is faithful and just to grant Abraham and Sarah a son, Isaac. God hears the cries of the enslaved Israelites in Egypt, and he is faithful and just to speak through an initially reluctant Moses and free the chosen people. God sends prophets and judges to guide the people and advise them for right living. Despite the people's flaws and sins, God is faithful and just. The Israelites lift up kings and fall into the, the hands of foreign powers. They worship false gods and trample all over this covenant relationship. Yet God's faithfulness and justice persists. God makes a way for the people with Jesus. 
Jesus shows the true nature of God and reveals a way for us as he walked on the earth as God incarnate. God's faithfulness and justice persists even when God is murdered on a Roman cross. On the third day, we see the ultimate story of hope in a hopeless situation with Christ's resurrection from the dead. God's faithfulness and justice persists. The question is not whether God will remain faithful. The question is whether we will be found faithful when the Son of Man returns. None of us are prodigies in living faithful lives. None of us are naturally equipped with the innate ability to trust God, to lean into Christian virtues and ethics, to offer our worries and fears and thanksgivings to God in prayer. And because we are not naturals at this, we must exert grit and faithfulness. Grit holds steadfast for a long-term goal, even when it's challenging, even when things go awry, even when progress is stalled or stopped. A gritty, lived faith is one that remains faithful. A gritty faith never loses heart never gives up. It's not a faith of eternal optimism, but it's a faith that trusts in God, that God will make all things right, and it's God that will remain just. This grit is not about muscling up, though. Instead, this grit is the learned practice of listening to and listening for God. This grit is not about our own efforts, but it's about God moving in and around and through us. It can be easy to lose heart in this world. It can be easy to think that the world is just getting worse. But our call as believers and followers of Christ is to be passionate, to be persistent in our doing of good and our prayers for hope and justice. We can do this because we trust in God. For if God is with us, how can we be without hope? Will God delay long in helping the downtrodden? No. If persistence can bend the will of an unjust judge, how much more will God hear the cries of justice for God's people? How much more will God be pleased with our persistent faithfulness for the uplifting of others? How much more will we be transformed and the world transformed by this active and gritty and trusting faith? Jesus Christ is a hope that we can believe in. And faith in Christ should embolden us to embody this hope, to embody a gritty faith within this world. Do not lose heart. For God will not delay in granting justice, and neither should we. May we never grow tired of doing what is good. May our faith inspire others around us to find hope in Jesus. For when the Son of Man returns, may we be found faithful. Faithful in our prayers, 
faithful in our actions and our commitment, faithful to God, faithful to each other, faithful to love and mercy and hope and justice and mission, faithful to God because we know that God is faithful. For if God is with us, how can we be without hope? None of us are prodigies in faithful living because it takes work. But the work is not ours alone. It's God's faithful work lived out in our faithful service and Christian living. And there is a word of hope. Amen.